0: You're listening to the True Crime Base Podcast with your host, Steve. Hello again everyone and welcome to our 26th case together and our third episode of the third season. If you've enjoyed the show so far, please make sure that you've subscribed on your chosen podcast directory and all of the new episodes will automatically download for you. You can also listen to the new episodes through the website too. So go over to www.truecrimefixpodcast.co.uk and all of the episodes are at the base of the home screen. The episodes are also available now on YouTube on the True Crime Fix channel, so please, if you enjoy the show, spread the word as far as possible. I just want to start by thanking everyone for the amazing feedback from the last episode. As I have responded to people individually in the past, it makes hours of talking to myself well and truly worth it. So today is the start of a new era for this podcast as it is the first official release on a new platform. I'm not going to bore you with the ins and outs, but there are a number of issues that I was having with the last provider. On this new platform, I will be having some sponsor messages going forward, which are helping with what one of my idols, Stone Cold Steve Austin, calls those stupid gimmicks in the mail called bills. Hopefully, therefore, I'll be able to, in a few months, Spend more on research and better equipment to make these cases better. Any episodes that I release on Patreon will be ad-free on the other hand, so if you want to join, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash podcast. That's www.patreon.com forward slash truecrimefixpodcast. I would like to take this opportunity to welcome Faith into the True Crime Fix Patreon family. Thank you for your continued support. That's enough of the updates and now it's on to this week's case. Friendship is a massive thing for me. I'm fortunate that I have a number of different friendship groups. I have my boys that I discuss the latest wrestling events and the news with. I have my best mate who I go to football with. I have my workmates, my old uni mates, people I go to the pub with, and I also have my fixers as well who listen to me rant and use as a sounding board. You get the picture. There was an advert in the UK not too long ago, for a coffee brand, where a man stood in the middle of an amphitheatre, surrounded by people in the stands who he had supposedly met throughout his life. All were standing And he would ask the crowd. If you don't remember my name, please sit down. And a number of people in the crowd sat down. Everyone was divided into blocks. Ex-girlfriends, university, work, etc. Sit down if you didn't know my nickname at school was Princess. Sit down if you do not know about the one that got away. Sit down if you've never seen me cry. And about four people sit down. Take a seat if we've somehow lost touch was the last question, and everyone sits down, and the advert ends with a reunion of them all catching up. It is very poignant because it makes you think about how many of those apply to your life. How many true friends you really have, you can probably count them on one hand, who will be there for you at the drop of a hat. How well do you really know someone? what extent would you go to get people's approval? Would you do anything for that friend, even if it was illegal? Can you guarantee that people who you trust will not betray you? Finally, do you trust all of your friends with your life? Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, this is your True Crime Fix. I'm your host Steve and this case is dedicated to the memory of Sam Caulfield. Sam was born on the 23rd of September 1995 in Brighton in the county of Sussex. His family consisted of his mother Sean Rayner and his brother Dan who was five years older than him. Sam's mum described him as lovable, full of life Full of energy, a person who loved being the centre of attention. He was described as a right poser in front of the camera. His Facebook page, which still exists, is full of pictures that would support this. Sam making hand gestures in some, with others showing off his body's muscle definition. Sean said that Sam had a happy childhood, and he was mad about sport. In my research I found no reference in anything that I have read which referred to a father figure in his life but his mother explained that he enjoyed cooking and music and he was extremely close to his brother who he looked up to. Sam did well at school in his early years but when he was six years old he received a diagnosis of ADHD. His life became a little difficult after that Sean said Sam was always very intelligent, but always seemed to gravitate towards the naughty boys at school. For those who are not sure, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder affects children and teens and can continue into adulthood. ADHD is the most commonly diagnosed mental disorder for children. Children with ADHD may be hyperactive and unable to control their impulses, or they may have trouble paying attention. These behaviours interfere with their school and home life, and it's more common in boys than it is in girls. It's usually discovered during the early school years when a child begins to have problems paying attention. Adults with ADHD may have trouble managing time, being organised, setting goals and holding down a job. They may also have problems with relationships, self-esteem and addiction. A friend of Sam's recalled that it wasn't until after school that the serious trouble had really started. Sam had a large number of friendship groups and wanted to feel like he belonged to all of them. He would do anything to feel like he belonged. At school, Sam met Haley Hillier and they became inseparable. They became a couple and in 2014 they discovered that they were pregnant. Although they were both still young, there was never any doubt that they were going to raise the child as a family. Millie May came into this world in May 2015. Sam was overcome with emotion when his daughter was born and he was so proud to be a dad. Haley recalled how amazing Sam was as a father. He was so happy to push the buggy around local parks and spend time with his new family. He knew now that he had something that no one could take away from him. Sean recalled that Millie Mae was the carbon copy of Sam, full of life and full of energy. When his daughter was born, Sam made the decision that his life needed to change to ensure that Millie Mae had the best upbringing. Sam had moved to the town of Crawley in West Sussex and moved into Spencer Road. Crawley is a large town 28 miles south of London and 18 miles north of Brighton and Hove. Gatwick Airport, which is now one of Britain's busiest international airports, opened on the edge of the town in 1936, encouraging commercial and industrial growth. After the Second World War, the British government planned to move large numbers of people and jobs out of London and into new towns across the southeast of England. The New Towns Act in 1946 designated Crawley as the site of one of these. The town contains 14 residential neighbourhoods radiating out from the core of the old market town and separated by main roads and railway lines. The nearby communities of Iffield, Pound Hill and Three Bridges were absorbed into the new town at various stages in its development. Sam wanted to start his own business, but had managed to get involved with the wrong people, which again got himself into trouble. Although nothing was definitively specified, about what trouble he was in, Hayley stated that he wanted to make a lot of money very quickly, indicating that he was involved in something which was most probably illegal. On the 18th of June, 2016, at 2.43 a.m., a phone call was made to Sussex Emergency Services. Emergency which service? Okay, oh, a the space? Our friend just turned up at our house. Yeah, he's been stabbed and he's shooting blood all over the floor. He's bleeding out big time. And like, he is, basically, he came back, he went out and he came back. and he said he'd been jumped by five people. And he came in here, he's absolutely fine. Next thing you know, he dropped to the floor. It is seriously, it, it is a big, big cut. He's on the road One of Sam's other best friends is panicking. My partner's How busy. Close? is the ambulance was not playing games. I'm mean, now on the floor and i The police have just turned up. Okay, and what's his name, please? It's it's name so Poole. Less than 15 minutes after the call, the first responders were there on the scene at Flat 6, 70 Spencer Road in Crawley. This is the body cam audio from the first police on the scene. Okay, do you know where he's been stabbed, Whereabouts abouts, has he been stabbed in this house? No, 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 no. no. for you, uh, he's still conscious, uh, shallow breathing, um, and he's been sent to by officers at Avalon to get to see him. Sorry, he's, he's turned up, he's here, yeah? yeah. Where, well, he it? was here before. Right. He yeah? Out. He's gone out back, he has been jumped, have all over passed, and then dropped, and then he just dropped. Okay. Ten minutes of being in the kitchen, just, just dropped. Any idea where he might have gone? No idea. Okay. He literally said he was leaving. Okay, do you to get did you any you phone, phone calls? David? No, texts? no, no. So uh, ran here, uh, I rang him. Did you go anywhere near your kitchen? No. No, no, I'm literally, I said, I rang him and I said, oh, you're going on way back. Next thing you he said, look out to the
1: window. I went to the
0: window, passed him in, and he was absolutely fine. He had a car hand. That's why he had coming down his hand. He was absolutely fine. He got into the kitchen, he was absolutely fine. Having a conversation, he was really having a conversation, he was absolutely fine. And then all of a sudden, he just dropped. Yeah, and that was it. What? OK, yeah. uh, what I time out. Uh, I have nothing, I have nothing. Works so I can while he's on the floor. There's no point in moving him if, if he's not ready to go. Right? No, what? Doing yeah. all of my vows just died in my arms? No, Mate, they're doing everything it. they can for him, I promise you. Everything. But he's my, ride, my best friend. Yeah, I feel that. Right. Damn, get that. Sam, get up, please. Press the pass family to the bathroom at the I want to give him a cuddle, bud. <laughs> Tell you what, I swear. On my life. I'm gonna kill I'm this to my I'm gonna kill them." Police officers, who were the first to arrive at the scene, discovered Sam on the floor of the kitchen with a single stab wound to his abdomen. While he was still alive at this time, he was unresponsive and stopped breathing a few minutes later. As officers commenced chest compressions, paramedics arrived and carried out an emergency surgical intervention in a bid to save his life. The flat was let to Jessica Roberts. Hers is the female voice which is describing what has happened in the body cam audio. She lived at the property with her partner John Mitchell. His is the higher pitched of the two male voices. The final voice that you hear who talks about wanting to give Sam a cuddle and that he wanted to kill whoever did this to Sam was Macaulay Lawless. Also in the flat that night was Leah Delgado. She was the first voice that you heard on the initial 999 call. The police learnt, as you have heard, that Sam had returned to the flat having been there earlier in the night. He had told the four people in the flat that he had been attacked in the street by five individuals and that he had been beaten before being able to get away. The testimony of Jessica Roberts indicated that Sam had blood on his hand as he entered the flat, but it wasn't until he entered the kitchen the full extent of Sam's injuries were discovered. According to the audio that you've just heard, Sam had gone into the kitchen and he had collapsed and this is where they saw the gaping wound in Sam's stomach. Whilst these interviews were being conducted, the paramedics were still trying to work on Sam as he had lost a lot of blood. You can even hear in the clip the sound of the defibrillator trying to restart Sam's heart. The police instructed Jessica that the four individuals would need to find alternative accommodation for the night as the flat was now a crime scene. The paramedics were able to restart Sam's heart, and it was then that they decided they needed to get him to hospital. He was rushed the 23 miles to the Royal Sussex County Hospital in Brighton, a journey which would have taken approximately half an hour. Sussex Police got in touch with Sean at approximately 5.30am to inform her that Sam had been stabbed and that she needed to make her way to the hospital. Sean in turn called Hayley at approximately 6am. Hayley recalled answering the phone and being told, don't panic Hayley, but Sam has been stabbed. They made their way to the hospital where Sam was now in surgery. The doctors were working their hardest to save his life. Alas, at 6.45am, a doctor came to the waiting area and notified Sean that despite having done all they could, Sam's injury was so bad that he had passed away in surgery. This was now a murder inquiry, but more importantly, a young girl had now lost her dad forever. Sussex Police immediately started a murder inquiry. This was led by Detective Superintendent Tanya Jones of the Surrey and Sussex Major Crime Team. As the details of the crime were sketchy at best, the first thing that they requested was all of the CCTV footage from the estate where Sam ended up passing away, as well as the surrounding local shops and street cameras from the night of the crime. As it was such a built-up area, It took detectives days to plough through the hours of footage but in all honesty they were still not sure what they were looking for or where they were starting. All they were able to look for was what looked like a confrontation between a number of young males and a person that looked like Sam. They had no further information. The police took all of Sam's friends that were there on the night down to Crawley Police Station to be questioned. They all told the same story, that Sam had turned up at the flat and then collapsed. None of them knew where he had been and none of them gave any indication that they knew where the attack had taken place. It was then that the police had a vital breakthrough. The CCTV from 70 Spencer Road had come back and eight minutes prior to the 999 call, there was footage of Sam entering the block. He was very clearly unhurt and was walking with a purpose as he went up the stairs to flat 6, two at a time. The CCTV then showed him walking along the corridor towards flat 6. As Sam was only wearing a sports t-shirt, it was clear that he had not been stabbed. This meant that one of the four people in flat six were responsible for Sam's murder. Sussex Police arrested all four of Sam's friends and again took them to Crawley Police Station. Macaulay Lawless, Jessica Roberts, Leah Delgado, and John Mitchell, all stuck to their story, and any questions the police were asking, they either replied with no comment, or they just sat there, staring vacantly into space. It was now down to the police to establish what had happened to Sam. The investigation was no longer one into a random street stabbing. Sam knew the killer, the search for the murder weapon had intensified. Spencer Road was cordoned off by the police as they searched the front gardens and bins. Jessica Roberts' flat was still a crime scene and the scenes of crime officers were methodically stripping it bare, looking for the knife. And there it was, as they moved the sofa in the living room, a 23-centimetre-long kitchen knife Although there were no obvious signs of blood on the knife, it was sent away to look for DNA. Whilst the analysis was being conducted, on the 29th of July 2016, Sam's funeral took place at Brighton Crematorium. Sam arrived by horse and carriage in a white hearse. Sam's friends acted as pallbearers the last and ultimate sign of respect they could show. Sam's mum Sean said, You never dream of burying your own son. The whole day went by as a blur. I cannot believe how many people turned up. It was such a hard day. The funeral was not solely an occasion for grief, as his friends knew that Sam was the type of person That he would not want them to be crying over him. Very few attendees wore traditional black, instead, opting for brighter colours. There is one photograph from the funeral that is heartbreaking, however, and that was one of young Millie May in her dress standing in front of a flower arrangement which read Daddy. It was a reminder of the other unthought-about victims of this crime. When the results from the knife came back, it confirmed that Sam's blood was on the blade of the knife. Also on the knife was the DNA of Jessica Roberts and John Mitchell. Unfortunately, this was not news that the police were looking for, as there was still no concrete answer as to who the murderer was. Jessica Roberts was obviously the tenant of the flat, and as stated earlier, John Mitchell was her partner, and he was staying at the flat. Tanya Jones knew that any jury would not think that this DNA was out of place, as they would have handled the knife on many occasions. All the friends were still maintaining their silence. They had all signed an affidavit to state that Sam had been stabbed outside of the flat despite the mounting evidence to the contrary. The police knew that all four people in that flat that night knew what had happened, but the loyalties to the others meant that they were all lying to cover it up. Detective Superintendent Tanya Jones was starting to worry that the lack of evidence would mean that the family would never get justice. The 23rd of September 2016 would have been Sam's 21st birthday. All of his close friends and family congregated in the local park to send blue balloons into the sky to celebrate the occasion, each person reading a message before letting it go. Not only was that date significant because it was Sam's birthday, but the police had finally received the information which would break the case. The police received a phone call from Leah Delgado's solicitor, saying that she wanted to talk to the police about what really happened that night. She said that she was sorry. It had taken so long because she was so scared of the repercussions of reporting. Her statement read, I quote, Sam returns to the flat, and stands in the hallway and announced that he had been jumped by five people. He is drunk and he has done some white powder earlier in the evening. He had spots of blood on him from the scrap. Sam enters the kitchen and the door is closed but remains slightly ajar. I don't hear any conversations, they are talking but their words are muffled. The door swings open and I look up from where I am sitting on the sofa. I see Sam standing there, with McCauley withdrawing a knife from his stomach. McCauley then says, don't say anything. He hands the knife to John, who cleans the knife by wiping it off. McCauley demands my phone and I said it was on the bed. McCauley takes my phone from me and rings someone, I'm not sure who. However, someone then rings him back on his phone, and mine is given back to me. Whilst John was cleaning the knife, and Macaulay was making his phone calls, both lads were attempting to keep Sam on his feet. However, he eventually slumped to the floor. I rang 999. McCauley, once he had finished with his phone, told me to get rid of it. I just put it down in the living room. It just kept ringing. John once he had cleaned the knife gave it to Jess and she put it under the sofa. Delgado stated that she could not live with the lie and if it was a member of her family she would want them to come forward. She said she was terrified of the repercussions about testifying against a drug dealer. She stated that Lawless and Sam were best mates. If Lawless could do this to him, what could he do to her? The issue was that the knife did not have any of Lawless's DNA on it. On September 18th, 2017, the murder trial began at Hove Crown Court. Judge Shaney Barnes was presiding, with Martin Rutherford QC giving evidence for the prosecution and all four defendants were represented by their own counsel. Lawless and Mitchell were charged with the murder of Sam, whilst all four were charged with perverting the course of justice, as well as charges in relation to Class A drugs. The court heard that in the opinion of the pathologist, Sam would have collapsed almost immediately after being stabbed, disproving claims made by Lawless, that he was attacked elsewhere. A post-mortem showed that Sam had died as a result of a single stab wound to the abdominal aorta and, in the opinion of the Home Office pathologist who carried out the post-mortem, he would have collapsed almost immediately after being stabbed. The prosecution put their case forward and showed the CCTV footage of Sam entering 70 Spencer Road in court. For his family this was the first time that they had seen it. Sam's partner Haley said that when she saw it she wished that she was able to tell him not to go in or just pull him from the tv screen. Sam and Lawless had been arguing about drugs and the hypothesis being that Sam had either stolen the drugs or stolen the money which would have paid for those drugs. Lawless in his defense attacked Sam's character. He said that Sam was the one who went for the knife first and he stabbed Sam out of self-defence. An argument, if this is true however, you would have thought he could have mentioned that from the start as it would have been mitigating circumstances. Sam was not there to rebut these claims, claims which contradicted his behaviour when caught on the body camera, claiming he would kill whoever had done this to his pal. On the 26th of September, Judge Shaney Barnes directed the jury to a not guilty verdict on the murder charge against Mitchell due to the lack of evidence. After 17 days of evidence, The jury retired to deliberate their verdicts on the other charges on the 4th of October. The jury took a further six days to deliberate. As with Mitchell, the jury was not able to find enough evidence to convict Lawless of murder, but they did vote in favour of a 10-2 majority decision to find him guilty of manslaughter and conspiracy to pervert the course of justice. John Mitchell was found guilty of conspiring to pervert the course of justice after his murder charge had been thrown out. Leah Delgado was found guilty of conspiring to pervert the course of justice. Jessica Roberts was also found guilty of conspiring to pervert the course of justice. Before sentencing, each party was able to put forward mitigation to be taken into account when their sentence was handed down. The first to present was the barrister for Macaulay Lawless. Macaulay Lawless's defence barrister Stephen Cook addressed Judge Shaney Barnes. Mr Cook said, Macaulay Lawless was so remorseful that he tearfully called Zach Young, who was one of Sam's closest friends, to apologise. He was so remorseful that at one point he tried to take his own life. He took an overdose and was in hospital for about a week. Explaining his main points to the court, Mr. Cook told Judge Barnes it was only a single injury and that the 21-year-old had shown genuine remorse. On remand, he had conducted a maths course. Mr Cook continued, His personal circumstances is that he is a proud father of a little girl who is four years old. He wants to be a part of her life. He informs me that between the ages of 14 and 19, he had some serious alcohol problems. He has been serving approximately seven months I would ask you that you be as merciful as you can." He added, He has no previous convictions with a history of violence or knife carrying. He had a very difficult upbringing. John Mitchell's defence barrister, Lewis Power, said his client had been deeply upset throughout the trial, but was aware that the conspiracy to pervert the course of justice charge carried immediate custody. Mr. Power said Mitchell had minor previous convictions and spoke about what Mitchell had been doing since he was remanded in custody on April 8, 2017. Mr. Power said, he had been offered work as a gardener. He left school with few qualifications, but he is a talented artist. Jessica Roberts' defence barrister, Susan Wright, told the court that the 25-year-old mum of two had a long history of mental illness and alcohol problems from a young age. Incidentally, Roberts's two children were inside the flat asleep on the night that Sam was killed. She said, Roberts began self-harming at the age of 11. She was detained under the Mental Health Act in September 2015. She finally got the treatment she needed. This enabled her to get off of cocaine. She had her two daughters living with her and was doing well when she started a relationship with John Mitchell. At the time, he was also drug-free and supported her recovery. She added, She found herself locked up arrested for murder. She lost her home and her daughters. She knows she's only got herself to blame. She tried to kill herself, but she has turned her life around. She is very close to her grandmother, who has brain tumours and does not have long to live. The trial has not been easy for her. She has drawn on the strength of her family. When she was remanded, she was isolated on the healthcare wing. The reality of prison is a grim one. There is, of course, no question Miss Roberts must pay for what she has done. Every sentence must be seen to punish, but with the means of rehabilitation. Leah Delgado's barrister, Mr. Colin Allot, said what Miss Delgado did was wrong. She herself in September knew what she had done was wrong. Judge Barnes interrupted Mr. Allett saying, but she did not plead guilty. She didn't take responsibility and came to trial. Mr. Allett added, despite the extreme pressure she was under in 2016, what she did coming forward brought clarity to the Crown and the police's investigation as to what happened on the night of June 18th, 2016. We submit that that is a fact that the court must take into account. We can't underestimate how crucial it was for her to attend a police station and provide the police with a statement. Prosecutor Martin Rutherford QC read a victim impact statement from Sam's mum, Sean, who he said had been present in a dignified way throughout every minute of this trial. The statement read, Sam always had a cheeky smile on his face. Everyone who met him commented on what a lovely, cute boy he was. Sam was always very intelligent but always seemed to gravitate towards the naughty boys at school. He met his girlfriend Hayley, and in May 2015, they had a little baby girl. Sam absolutely doted on his little girl, and now he will never see her ride a bike, start school, or fall in love. At 5am, police informed me that there had been an incident and that Sam had been stabbed. It never entered my head that my son would die. Police took me to the hospital with blue lights, the same hospital that Sam was born in. To say our family is devastated is an understatement. It has totally turned my life upside down. The run up to birthdays and Christmas are tough. His daughter, will only know her daddy through photographs. This whole event has been very painful for all families concerned, and there are no winners in this. Judge Shaney Barnes then passed sentence. She said, I will do my best to keep my remarks as brief as I can, so you can all find out the end result. My first remarks must be about Sam Colefield. He had started drug dealing, he had lost his job and recently came out of prison, and a number of you, she said addressing the defendants, met him at the foyer in Crawley. A small side note before continuing, the foyer is a YMCA facility. She continued, On the day that he died, he had lost some drugs. He acquired them from Dean Lawless. The telephone evidence and overheard conversations make it quite clear that the young Sam Caulfield and his friends John Mitchell and Macaulay Lawless were trying to sort out a problem to do with the drugs. Whatever was going on, this death, at the heart of it, was drugs. Macaulay Lawless admits that he was drinking all day and was in a highly intoxicated state. This led to what happened in the kitchen in the early hours of the morning on June the 18th. Sam should not have been killed that night. He should not have been stabbed. It was avoidable. It was not necessary to pick up a knife and plunge it up into his torso. Judge Barnes said that it was a shame that Delgado did not take responsibility for her actions and instead pleaded not guilty. Judge Barnes spoke about the moments after Sam was stabbed. She told the court that Macaulay Lawless's first call was to his brother Dean, whilst John Mitchell tried to get help. She said, They are the saddest. Six and a half minutes I have ever listened to in my life. We heard you on the 999 calls. We saw you all on the body cam. We had to relive the awful events that night. Despite what happened, none of you actually wanted Sam to die. You all wanted him to survive. While Mr. Lawless ran around hysterical, Miss Delgado and Miss Roberts did what they could. It seemed it was Mr. Mitchell who did the most to keep him alive. But it should never have happened. You are all in your own ways vulnerable. Judge Barnes referred to the weeks and months where the defendants persistently tried to avoid helping the police investigation. She said... What I do find is that while Mr. Lawless did say to those around him, don't say anything, there wasn't anything of serious nature for Miss Roberts and Miss Delgado to be intimidated. This is a conspiracy to pervert and you all misled in a significant way the police who tried to uncover the events you had told them. It didn't take long to work out you all had lied, and you all did pervert the course of justice. So you, Mr. Lawless, these sentences will be consecutive. Lawless was given eight years for manslaughter and three years for perverting the course of justice to run consecutively. Mitchell was given a three-year prison sentence. Roberts and Delgado were each given two years. After the trial, DS Jones gave her reaction. Sadly, this is yet another case where the lethal combination of drugs and knives has led to a totally unnecessary death of a young man and father. Lawless and the others present when Sam was stabbed initially tried to cover up the crime by claiming that it had happened elsewhere, Lawless himself went to great lengths to create a false trial by insisting that he would take a revenge on whoever was responsible. Even when the co defendants gave evidence at court, Lawless continued to try to shift the blame by claiming that he was defending himself against Sam. Thankfully, the jury saw through the lies and deceit and Lawless will now have to take full responsibility and punishment for his crime. Sam's friends and family were not happy with the verdict. Haley said the sentence was too light. Eleven years is not acceptable when Millie Mae has a life sentence. Sam's mum Sean was devastated. Pointing out that in reality, with probation, Lawless could possibly serve only 5 years, meaning that he would be out in 2022. The harsh reality is that Millie Mae, who was only 13 months old at the time, is going to have to grow up without her father. A father who's never going to see her first day at school. Is never going to see anything that she ever achieves. She is never going to bring home her first boyfriend to. Is not going to walk her down the aisle. And not be able to give her any advice when she needs it. Haley said that she makes sure that Millie Mae knows who her father is. And when she is old enough, she will tell her what happened to him. Sam's friends and family still meet up on Sam's birthday and the anniversary of his passing to remember him. Someone who, despite the way his life ended, touched and influenced so many others' lives. So that's it for this week. Please remember, if you enjoy the show or want to know more, please follow us on Twitter at True Crime Fix Pod. The podcast also has a Facebook page, True Crime Fix Podcast. But there is also a fan page, True Crime Fix Discussion. This is where I post the majority of the information on the week's cases. You can also visit the new website, www.truecrimefixpodcast.co.uk. That's www.truecrimefixpodcast.co.uk. Also, a reminder that this podcast is on Patreon, so please visit www.patreon.com forward slash true crime fix podcast. There is also an Instagram account so please search true crime fix. I'm finally learning how to use this. Also if you have any suggestions or feedback for the show please contact me either through the website or at true crime fix podcast at gmail.com that's true crime fix podcast at gmail.com Until next time, stay safe, look after each other, and live life to the fullest, because you never know who, or what, might be coming around the next corner. Take care everyone.